Wine and Crime Creepies. Hey girl, hey. Hey boy, hey. Welcome back to another uh, episode this week. <laughs> How's your week been? It's been good, you know, pretty low-key, nothing too crazy going on. Not that anything like super crazy ever goes on, but um, I did get into the Ghislaine Maxwell documentary on Netflix. Okay, I saw it on Netflix. I did not watch it. It is on my to-do list. Okay. But go ahead and give us a little preview of what you thought. Right. I'll give like a tiny synopsis, but I won't like give anything away. Um, I don't know. So I had watched the Jeffrey Epstein documentary they put out like what like a couple years ago or something on netflix yeah i also listened to one on wondery okay and i learned a lot about the case like from that because you know you hear blips like in the news and stuff like that but like that really like gave me insight on like what actually was going on um so this one on Ghislaine maxwell is obviously focused on her and they went into like her backstory of her life and everything and um and then up to her part in the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing with, you know, recruiting underage girls and sexually abusing them and getting them to, like, basically be in a, um, like a, what is that called? Accomplice or, like, a partner. Yeah, and, like, a, um, like a trafficking whole situation. I think she helped groom them. Yes. Like a groomer. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I will say personally like after watching the first documentary just on Jeffrey and like the whole situation obviously I still thought she was scum and like you know played a part in it and like was I don't know she just was dirty to me and I didn't have any respect for her obviously but then after watching this one it's like worse (laughs) because I feel like she I feel like a lot It wouldn't be as big without her. And I'll just say that. She is very good with people. Manipulating. She's very manipulative. Um, And yeah, I feel like she lived for money. And and I think that, you know, when you go and watch it, you'll see her childhood definitely plays a part in probably how she turned out the way that she was. But there's also just a characteristic, like, about her that's just icky. Well, they said that she was in love with him. Yeah. And so a lot of stuff she did was to please him and Mm -hmm. keep by his side and, you know. Right. Which, I I feel like he used her more than he was in love with her. For sure. um, Yeah, because he he wouldn't have pulled all this off without her, is what I'll say. Um, And I do think, you know, I do think she was in love with him, but I also think she really felt like she needed money and he had money Absolutely. so I think that that also played a big part in it um but you know nothing changed she <laughs> is still garbage to me yeah I was just talking to one of my girlfriends and funny she was driving in her car and I could hear her music in the car and it was the Victoria's Secret song. Yeah. And I was, you know, kind of singing along and dancing. And she's, you know, laughing because um, she knew I could hear it. And not to mention, it's a catchy song. And not to mention, it's a fun song. Okay? Right. And Truths, the girl sings Truths. 
Um, but she proceeded to tell me. Now, I don't know if this is true. This is just coming from what she said. So you'd have to, I'd have to fact check it. Um, but she said Victoria's Secrets have taken a hit between the song and between the Victoria's Secret doco. I don't know if you watched that one at all. But it, in the documentary, it talks about how Jeffrey Epstein had a part in Victoria's Secret. Like, at first, he used Victoria's Secret saying that um, a f advertisement bringing girls to him saying that he was affiliated with Victoria's Secrets and he would turn them into models and all the stuff. Well, then, you know, it turned out to be bullshit. And then finally, somebody finally called and the... Victoria's Secret guy, you know, the one that lives in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're like, hey, do you know Jeffrey Epstein's using your name and all this stuff? So he called them and kind of gave them a slap on their wrist, like, no, 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 don't use my name, bad boy. But then they became friends. Of course. And then they became affiliated, and I don't know if Jeffrey Epstein was actually working for Victoria's Secret, but he was affiliated with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, they would definitely, you know, use these girls. And so, yeah. That's so sick. Shame I knew Victoria's Secret. Yeah. And honestly, man from Ohio. I believe that their sales would go down from that just because, I don't know, it, it felt so, I don't know, just like not exclusive, but like. It felt very, like, woman kind of oriented or whatever, but, like, just to know all the backstory behind it, the whole company, I mean, is just... And then all that's, like, a man it's that's, icky. like, that's created all this. Yeah, like, it's, like, it just adds a level of weirdness to it. Yeah, I mean, and it's not wrong, like, it talks about how it did his, his marketing was for tiny, petite mm -hmm. women, and... You know, it sucks, you know, because a lot of their stuff is pretty. Yeah. And it is nice. But you should try to market every woman. Every woman wants to feel pretty. Every woman wants to feel yeah. sexy. Every woman should, you know. Yeah, it wasn't very inclusive um, for sure with the advertisement. I mean, and with even, like, you know, the Victoria's Secret runway shows have always been, like, a big thing over the years, and all those models, are they have a very specific look to them. But even on that document, it told you so many of them were sexualized. So many of them oh, were yeah. sexually assaulted. And it was brushed off. Like, of course. If you want to keep your job, brush it off, shut up, and carry on with your day. Such a huge problem, like... The power, the people, specifically the men in power, but people in power in general, like, they just, like you said, he just gave Jeffrey a slap on the wrist. Like, they don't get held accountable for a lot of things. A lot of things get swept under the rug or, like, people look to the other, they look the other way because it's like, nobody wants to mess with this person because they have so many, like connections and they have so much money that honestly they could ruin a person's life and that's just unfair totally um i don't have any docos that i watched right now that we can get into yet but i did listen to a book on audible and it's called self-care by the moon and after this conversation, self-care may be needed yeah i love that title um and her it's by valerie 
Tahita, I want to say. I could be messing up her name. Um, but it's just, it talks a lot about, like, um, the different moons, what they mean, like the eclipse and the lunar and all this stuff. But it also talks about different things you can do to ground yourself. And I actually want to use a lot of these with my daughter, um, who goes, has a lot of anxiety with some things. But it talks about a lot of things you can do to bring your anxiety down. Oh, okay. Um. And like one of them is they call it the cutting the cord and you close your eyes and you focus on whether it like for her it was being bullied so she can do the bully herself but because we're not in that person's life anymore we have moved since then i feel like my daughter needs to do it more as a a bully and staple or like a package and just kind of realize like that part of her life is over it's mm -hmm. done it's not happening no more but it teaches you how to cut the cord so to speak you focus on it and you pretend like you're cutting the string and it's supposed to cut it like to okay. help you forget it cut the negativity um there's different things like breathing exercises where it's like you close your eyes and there's like or first it's like okay so you pick your spot whether it's a bed um, a living room floor, outside on the lawn, like wherever you're comfortable at. And you open your eyes and you name five things that you see. And then you close your eyes, four things that you can feel. And then it's like uh, three things that you can smell. And then it's like two things that you can, um, I think it was like, like the last two things that you could taste or whatever. And then the last one was one thing that you can... I can't remember what it is. Obviously, I just totally went on a rant and didn't even have it completely. But the point is, um, it gives you a lot of exercises of kind of like just grounding yourself yeah. and being in the moment of, with yourself and being um, helping you be confident with yourself and just getting to really know who you are as yourself, your inner self. And um, I kind of like it. Um, I think it'll be good for my daughter. It'll be good for anybody who's dealing with any kind of exercise or any kind of anxiety or stress, and you just need to take that moment for yourself. Um, it's a good book. I've been listening to it on tape, Why I Clean. And uh, so, yeah, that was kind of my interesting find. I love that. I, I have heard similar, like, something to that before. Like, if you're in the midst of, like, a panic attack, which I've had those before, like, they say, like, just breathe and, like, look around and, like, name things that you're looking at. Because it just, like, helps detach your brain from, like, the, like, state of panic that you're in. And it just, like, brings you back to reality. Like, okay, everything's fine. I'm in this room. I'm not in danger. Everything's okay. And, yeah, I love that. I think that that will be, like, a really good tool, like... Yeah. for her to use definitely yep. so that was just kind of my little fun find for the week yeah that sounds good um we are drinking a new brand of wine um i don't know if you want to tell the people what we're drinking it is san antonio sounds very texas it does <laughs> um blackberry orange wine and when i tell you it if Fago Pop had a blackberry flavor, this would be it. It's got the fizz to it, and it's mwah. Chef's Kiss, it's so good. My kind of thing I got, I was like, I drank it, and I was like, that tastes like like a fruity 
breakfast pastry to me. Like, a, if you had, like, a blueberry scone or something, or, I guess, blackberry scone or whatever, like, it's so good. I definitely recommend this one. Let's try their other flavors. I know. Uh, shout out to San Antonio Wine Company. Whoop, whoop, whoop. You killed five it with this one. Yes. <laughs> so cheers to that. And cheers to Dex. What up? What up? Um, now, this story that I'm going to get into, it gets pretty dark and twisted. So, yeah, I just kind of want to, like, put a disclaimer. All the triggers. Yeah, a little warning out if you're, like, extra sensitive, you know, to really dark details on, I mean... Everything. I've literally every anything. Like it just it gets pretty dark and it gets pretty sad. So um yeah, just a little disclaimer before we jump into it. So I had never heard of this before, but I was looking up, you know, different things to research and talk about or whatever. And this caught my attention because it is called and it is known as the Hello Kitty murder case. And I was like, huh, well, that's interesting because we know Hello Kitty, but I don't typically, you know, pair murder with it. But do you really know Hello Kitty? I mean, I felt like we were homegirls back in the day, but, <laughs> but apparently my mind's been blown because Lo told me that Hello Kitty, now guys, hold on to your hats, Hello Kitty is actually a little girl. She's not a cat. I know. I don't know. That's what I was told by informational of the internet. Yeah, and you know, the internet speaks the truth, but <laughs> but that blew my mind. I mean, I get it, but also I don't, you know? <laughs> she was always a cat to me. I think to most people she was. It wasn't until a couple years ago, something came out. I don't know what it was that I was watching, and then when... We were talking about it before we got on here. I was like, do you know it's not a cat? And she's like, shut the hell up. What are you talking yeah. about? And I was like, seriously. So I Googled it and I read it to her. And it said that the manufacturing, whoever created Hello Kitty, says she's an actual cartoon little girl. So wild. Yeah, so that fact blew my mind. Um, this whole, this just everything in this episode just blowing my mind, okay? Not in a good way. <laughs> like I just want to roll into the Gwen Stefani song, Let Me Blow Him. Yeah, literally. That's the theme song for this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, because when you typically, you know, think of Hello Kitty, you know, you might think of your childhood and, like, the famous cartoon cat or, I guess, little girl. You know, she's got the red bow and the endless amounts of, like, merchandise that came along with it. That's what I think of, at least. Um, I think there's actually a Hello Kitty world you can go to now. No way, really. I think it's. I think it might be in Hong Kong. Okay. A... So she, I'm assuming Hello Kitty originated in Hong Kong, or she's very, very, very popular in the in that culture. Um, but yeah, this version of Hello Kitty the story it, it definitely takes a, a much more uh, dark turn. So, this story takes place in Hong Kong, China, in the spring of 1999. 
Um, and I'm kind of going to start by introducing you to a woman named Fan Men Yi. She was born in 1975, um, and Fan was abandoned by her family as a child, which resulted her being raised in an all-girls orphanage. So she's really had a rough start to life. Her entire life was just very um, unfortunate and you know, just really sad. When she turned 15, Fawn was told to leave the orphanage because they had an age restriction. Uh, so she had to ultimately, I mean, at this point she became homeless, she got addicted to drugs, and Fawn was forced into street prostitution um, until the age of 21 when she then began working at a brothel. And that's so sad when you think 15 is their age restriction to like, and I know here it's 18, but that's a th another three extra years, like 15 years old, she's so young, what is she supposed to do, you know, and she has nobody to turn to. So it's not surprising that a lot of girls in her situation might end up, you know, with the same conditions. So Fawn eventually married one of her clients. Uh, he was also a fellow drug addict. Uh, they got married in 1996. And then two years later, she gave birth to their son. Now, I there were multiple um, things. Some said that she had one son. Others said that she had two. So I'm not exactly sure if she had one or two children. Um, but yeah, she definitely had at least one. So Fawn's husband, he was described as very abusive and their neighbors would actually report often being woken up by the sounds of the couple's fighting and the child's screaming and crying from their apartment. So things really were very toxic between Fawn and her husband. Upon the pregnancy and then the birth of her son, Fawn really decided to take a turn in her life. Um, she wanted to turn it around in order to protect her son and just provide him a safer life. You know, she obviously realized that the situation that she was in was not ideal to bring a child into um, and really wasn't sustainable for the child's life. And so she really wanted to make an effort and like turn everything around. So she quit drugs, she quit prostitution, uh, she got a job as a hostess at a brothel um, and eventually left her violent husband. So she was really trying to make an effort to like make a better life for herself and for her son or sons, multiple. Due to these sacrifices though, she had a much lower income than she was kind of used to when she was, you know, doing prostitution. And also she wasn't with her husband anymore. So she really was struggling financially to support herself and her family. Um, and that's just sad because she's trying to make all these positive strides, but it's just so hard when she, you struggle financially. It's like you're caught between, you know, like a rock and a hard place. Like she's, in a really hard situation like what is she supposed to do and sadly that's probably all she knows for most of her adulthood life right yeah like growing up in an orphanage and then 15 turning to prostitution like 
she doesn't really have any she never had guidance from anybody to like give her suggestions or even give her any help whatsoever she had to like do it all herself and let's face it her self-confidence is going to be not exactly high oh yeah no not at all um so kind of moving forward there was a man named chan man Lok. He was a 34-year-old triad member, um, which a triad meant that he was in this organized crime, uh, one of Hong Kong's most uh, ruthless organized crimes. Um, He was one of Fawn's regular clients at the brothel. They kind of hit it off, you know, exchanged conversations and got a little bit close and discussed, like, a working together a little bit. Um, This was in early 1997. Fawn met Chan. So, you know, he was a socialite at the nightclub and they discovered that they both had something in common. Fan was in prostitution and a drug addict and Chan was a pimp and a drug dealer. So, you know, kind of a match made in heaven there for both of them. Um, Not before long, Chan was a regular addition to his group um, in addition to his henchman. So she, he was kind of like pimping her out and giving her work while he was getting work as well. They kind of had this like partnership type deal going on. Now in early 1999, Fan actually stole money out of Chan's wallet which contained about roughly what equated to, um, I believe it was 4,000 US dollars. Um, again, there was discrepancy on multiple research pages. But when Chan realized what had happened, he demanded that Fawn returned the money in addition to a fee of $10,000. Oh, just because of interest. He was just so livid and so mad that she stole money. And yeah, she, in retrospect, you know, she should not have stolen money, point blank, anybody's money. But especially, you know, his, he's he's a dangerous crime guy, you know? Like, I feel like he shouldn't be your number one target, especially if she saw all the stuff that he was into, you know? I wonder what she needed to steal four grand for I don't know if it, I mean, she was into drugs again at this point, and I don't know if, like, she just was doing it for the the drugs or her bills. I don't know, but I just feel like, oh, it was just such a, a I mean, definitely a turning point in the story of her life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was livid. Um, she you know, immediately returned the stolen money, but she needed additional time to secure the additional $10,000 fee. You know, that does, that takes a minute to, uh, to try to build up. And on March 17th of that year, Fawn was then abducted by three men and one girl in the Fu Yu section of Lai Yu estate. Um, the four kidnappers were Chan, his grooming victim, Ah Fong, who was 14, Luang Walun, who was 21, and Luang Shin Chao, 
um, who I believe was 26. The group took Fawn to an apartment at number 131, no, number 31 Granville Road, Simshaoshu, where they ended up imprisoning her for an entire month. So this was just like, um, it was a pretty big apartment. It, it, it had like five bedrooms. Uh, it was decked out in Hello Kitty room attire. I don't know what you call that. It looked like a room that would be on a set of a show because it was just head to toe Hello Kitty from comforter's desk, wall, floor, closet, light switches. like Very bizarre. Very museum looking. Like. Yeah. I think it was just the one room that was like decked out in the stuff. But from other pictures that I saw, it looked very run down and dirty also. Um, so they kind of just used it as like a hangout spot. I don't know whose apartment it technically was or like why they had access to this apartment, but that is where they took her after they kidnapped her. Um, and initially, Chan had intended to make money off of Fan by pimping her out to other men. So he was just going to keep her here and like, you know, pimp her out and use her to get money from men just to build up this money that she owed him. Now, during her imprisonment there, she wasn't just, you know, being pimped out and like hanging out there. They were torturing her like and they raped her and just doing the most cruel, foul things that you can do to a human being. According to one source, she was beaten with metal bars, sometimes while being strung up and used as a punching bag. They would tie her up with cords. On one occasion, Fawn was kicked in the head around 50 times. And when she had like open wounds, they used different spices to rub into the wounds, which is just to make it painful. They just didn't want her to have any source of like ease or comfort at all. These people had like no souls. Like pure evil. Her legs and feet were burned with candle wax and hot plastic, specifically so that she couldn't walk. She was forced to consume human feces and urine. Like, they weren't feeding her, but that's what they were giving her. She had, they forced her to eat poop and pee. And she was forced to smile and say that she enjoyed the beatings. Like, and if she refused, they subjected her to even harsher torture. So, like while they were beating her up and doing these horrible things to her, they would tell her that she had to smile and act like she was, like, enjoying it. And to me, that's just, it makes my stomach turn because it's just so sick that people could, with any type of conscience, could do this. It, let well, alone... At this point, they don't have one. Right. And they're in, like, a group, and it's just her by herself, and they're just and One of them was her. a female, like, mm -hmm. which made it even... Like, how do you do that to, I mean, another human being, but like, I don't know, that just, yeah, being female to female just makes it even worse. Um, obviously, this treatment eventually led to traumatic shock for her, um, and sadly, she ultimately died. Um, obviously, it's not really surprising that she ended up dying here. They had gone out one night and they tied her up to like a toilet in the bathroom and when they got back she was dead. Um, Which I personally say thank God. Right. 
I don't wish, obviously, death upon anyone, but at least she is away from the suffering and this pain of evil. Like, she's almost better off of passed away than dealing with this for a second more. A hundred percent, yeah, because I don't, I really don't believe they would have ever let her go. I think that she was sadly probably going to die there because they clearly had no souls that they were, like, felt any type of way of, like, maybe we should stop this, maybe we should let her go. Like, they, like, they were doing this for fun. Fawn succumbed to her wounds on April 15th, 1999. Now, some sources claim that she died while her captors were out, while others say that she died overnight. So again, there's some discrepancies with the, you know, all the facts of this story. Um, Either way, the events led to her death. They were so vile and disgusting, like, you know, like we said, just to think anyone could treat a human being like this um, is just so sick. And the evilness did not stop after she died. They, like, they continued to do more. So upon returning Fawn's body, her captors, they decided to dismember her body in the bathtub with a saw, and then they boiled all of the remains, um, they cooked like the individual pieces of her body to stop her from decomposing and emitting like the smell of rotten flesh. And then they took her skull, they like boiled her head, but then they took her skull and sewed it inside of a Hello Kitty doll, specifically like a mermaid looking one, um, while the rest of her body was discarded. They did keep like a tooth, I believe, also. Um, I don't know why they kept... So like a trophy thing? Right, that's what I'm wondering. Like, why else keep it? Um, Yeah, kind of like we said, the apartment was just like full of Hello Kitty memorabilia. Um, Like, even down to the silverware. Furthermore, the body part trophies, like, I guess they were taken by the three men that had interacted with them. So they were just like sick individuals. They did also find um, some internal organs in a plastic bag um, after police had gone there to the scene um, in May. But yeah, her the, the way her body was discovered by police, because you know, they they did all this and then they left. They obviously were like telling police and I don't think really, I don't know if anyone was really looking for her either at this point. Um, but the way that her body was discovered is kind of a wild story also. So the police are just, you know, doing their job at their station. A 14 year old girl comes in and tells them that she's being haunted by the ghost of a woman. And obviously they brushed her off, didn't believe her. They're like, okay, what are we supposed to do about this? You're being haunted. Um, But when she explained who the woman was, they were horrified. In May of 1999, she told officers that for the past several weeks, she'd been constantly plagued by the ghost of a woman who had been bound by electrical wire and tortured to death. Um... Their interest was piqued, however, when she explained 
that the ghost was of a woman that she'd had a hand in murdering. So this 14 year old girl was the girl there that was doing the torturing. Um, so following her back to the flat in the city's rundown Kowloon district, they discovered that the girl's dreams were in fact very real nightmares. Inside of that flat, they found the oversized Hello Kitty doll with the decapitated skull of a woman inside of it. Um, so not only was this 14-year-old girl responsible for turning the tortures, like the other guys in, uh, but she also was one herself. So she was essentially turning herself in at that point. So was she confessing, basically in trying to clear her conscience? which there is no clearing it because what you did was inhumane and Beyonce. you can never recover from that. But so was she thought, like, if I turn myself in, then the spirit will leave me alone? Is that the only reason why you think she confessed? Like, she got so freaked out, like... Right. I don't know. Like, I don't know if maybe subconscious... I don't know if she was actually being haunted or if she, yeah, like, subconsciously was having these, like, visions or something because she like maybe deep down knew that it was horrible and wrong and then it was m messing with her psyche so then she like went to go tell the police i don't know i'm not sure exactly like what her motive was for going to the police um yeah she did tell them that she witnessed manlock kick her 50 times in the head she says that she then joined in hitting her in the head. Um, though the details of the extent of the torture that were inflicted on her were not released, um, as a part of her plea deal, they were no doubt extensive. Um, when she was asked about them, she replied, I had a feeling it was for fun. So, yeah, this bitch is psycho because... I don't understand, like, that was fun for them, torturing and beating this poor woman. So, yeah, the case widely became known as the Hello Kitty murder, and it was regarded throughout Hong Kong as one of the most depraved crimes in memory. They really hadn't had any crazy crimes happen there. I mean, anything in comparison to this one, so this really shook, uh, shook them a lot. Um, you know, and this is just, they're just horrible humans all over for, all over just money for a poor woman, you know, just trying to keep herself and her family afloat. And I know that, you know, she had drug issues and stuff like that too, but there's no sense in everything that they did to her. Like nothing, you know, makes that acceptable. So kind of getting into the trial, um, it lasted over six weeks. The three men were convicted of manslaughter as the jury ruled the remains were not sufficient to show whether Fawn was murdered or died from a drug overdose. Which like, either way, in my opinion, they murdered her. Like they had the intent, you know, cause they were saying as far as getting them, um, first degree murder they're like we don't we can't prove if they had the intent to kill her it's like do you know what they were doing to her like 
that stuff kills people. Like, I don't know. I just think that they kind of got the easier of the sentences. I think they should have went on the list and did every single thing to them. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, to be like, how does this feel? Like, how is this? Because it's just not fair at all. Um, so, yeah, while the jury could not rule that the men intended to kill Fawn, they did determine that she died as a result of their abuse, which, like, duh. Um, and Ah Fong, the 14-year-old girl, testified at the trial in exchange for immunity. So she got completely off. I mean, I'm glad that she brought this to the police's attention and talked about it. But to get complete immunity when she was, like, torturing this woman, it's kind of not iffy fair. to me. Yeah, I'm not super on board with that. Justice Peter Nijuin, who sentenced the three men to life in prison with the possibility of parole, stated, Never in Hong Kong in recent years has a court heard of such cruelty, depravity, callousness, brutality, violence, and viciousness. Psychiatric reports described the three as remorseless. There would be no review for parole in 20 years. Um, so they clearly, I mean, they were all on drugs too, but that's not an excuse. They, these people just were like pure evil. Um, the apartment building in which the crime took place was demolished in September of 2012, um, and it has been rebuilt as a hotel in 2016. I don't, that would be weird to like be staying at a hotel and then like find out that this is what happened there. Yeah, for as much as, you know, we're, you know, crime junkies and we seek, like, weird shit out, like, me and you have talked a lot about, you know, we're going to try to go do the Lizzie Borden house. Mm -hmm. This one would not be a tourist attraction for me. I think it would actually be really sad to be in that environment. Like, I'd feel darkness and empathy and sympathy and sadness. I don't think... I would feel like, oh, let me get a picture in this bathroom. You know what I mean? Like A hundred percent. I feel like, I just feel like you would be able to feel like the vibes of a place like that. Like yeah. where so much evilness took place. You just feel the sadness place. as you walk in. Yeah. yeah. I, so I can't even imagine. Um, I got majority of my information from wiki and all that's interesting.com. Um, but yeah, this story is just sick and twisted like in in every sense honestly but cheers to you for pronunciation on these words and these names because you well you read through it like it was well fingers crossed i apologize uh you guys can correct me i don't get offended um if i did say anything wrong i'm just I'm trying my best. <laughs> well, you made it look easy. You know me with some of these names. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully I was at least somewhat uh, close and accurate to it. But yeah. Um, yeah, I I, had, I feel like the name sounded slightly familiar. The Hello Kitty murder case. But I didn't like know any of the details or extent of it and so when I was like reading up, up on this and like looking into it I was just so horrified that this took place yeah I it's not sitting well with me that the girl got off no um it actually 
makes my stomach turn. If I was her, I would be scared that the three men in prison um, don't have a hit out on me because I just turned three big dudes in. Mm -hmm. And uh, And they were, like, involved in this, like, gang type situation. And they're probably like, what the actual shit? Like, why is she not... I wonder if they... In prison. You know, I wonder if any... If they tried to, like, send anyone after her. Because that wouldn't be surprising if they were involved in, like, a group of organized crime, you know? And they were clearly violent people with no emotions. I would not be shocked if they the only thing we can do is hope that she screwed up somewhere in life or screws up somewhere in life that karma gets her and she ends up in prison anyway for something else yeah because the fact i mean again i'm glad that she brought light to this and but it was all selfish reasons it wasn't because she felt bad and you know it was pure selfish exactly so she shouldn't be i mean completely forgiven they put her head inside a stuffed animal. Like, so sick. And then she told, showed them where it was. And I feel like she felt like they were going to get caught. I think, I don't know, I won't say the guilt ate at her. She was getting eaten alive by the fear of not knowing if she was going to get caught. A hundred percent. get caught. Yeah. And that's why she's like, I'm going to go to them before they come to me. Because if they arrested her first, they probably wouldn't have gave her immunity. If she went to them and said, hey... Then they could, she can, like, I can tell you what I know. Exactly. And I feel like she, that's why she did it. To you, yeah, use it for her, like, her upper hand, 100%. Yeah, but, uh, sorry for the, you know, twisted, gross, icky story today, but, um, that's how it goes, I guess, over here. Well, thank you, Crystal, for taking us down a depressing story. Yeah, sorry. Guys, go watch uh, something fun and, yeah, something more lighthearted <laughs> to get you out of the, mo- the bad mood or something. <laughs> um, but thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you again next week with another episode, another super fun episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe we'll try to do a Christmas one. It's getting close. I know. We gotta we gotta get the Christmas uh the crime holiday spirit up and running. I realize we did not do that for Thanksgiving this year. Oh yeah, we did it last year. We did. Yeah, if you guys didn't go listen to those, um go back and listen. Thanksgiving last year we did a couple I reposted them on our Facebook page. Oh cool, so they're so if you go on our Facebook page it's look for Omaima mm-hmm. and then Paul Jenkins, right? No, not Jenkins. It's like Paul Harridge or Harridge oh yes, or mm-hmm. something. So yeah, we'll have to. We'll definitely have to get uh, get some Christmas ones Jenkins? in here soon. Jenkins, I don't know why I thought Jenkins. Whatever. <laughs> that was. I think you're thinking of the crazy psycho dude. They had like the whole family roots of trees that went. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yes. Um, what was his first name? Give me a second. <laughs> Why, looking at this, Crystal will sing you a nice little tune. Oh, wow. Pressure. <laughs> All you suck at MCs ain't got nothing on me. No. <laughs> okay, we were just talking about Mean Girls before we got on here. If you know, you know. <laughs> so you're thinking of Nico Allen Jenkins. And he did, like, him and his cousins and families and grandpappies and... 
there was like a long history of murders and then he thought he he was talking like evil spirits and then he was in prison and it got pretty nasty while he was in prison so as another story we did um in season one episode 45 so check it out that's right yes he was he was a wild one as well um but yeah so go check out those older episodes um and we'll crank out some holiday ones some fun some fun uplifting christmas stories for you guys coming up here shortly yeah we did last season we did a murder for christmas and we talked about um some nice fun heavy murder stories some happy holiday spirit stories so we'll see if we can bring it on again uh this christmas yeah if you're taking a break between, you know, watching Polar Express and The Grinch, you know, in between you can listen to one of our uh, uplifting stories. <laughs> um, but yeah, so stay tuned for those. And if you guys have any suggestions, if you know of a holiday crime story that you want us to talk about too, uh, you know, send us send us uh, the story our way and we can definitely cover that as well. And all the socials, uh, Snap horrorwhyoncrime.com at Instagram and Facebook we are not on the Twitter I do apologize so it's not all the socials yeah I'm sorry I've never been on Twitter I did for a little bit but there's just so many and me and Crystal we do everything ourselves we edit ourselves we social market ourselves we record ourselves so we're only two people we can only handle so much people. yeah we we're not ready for twitter okay <laughs> we'll get there eventually when we yeah. can afford to hire uh someone to come and handle all our social stuff yeah once we get a social media marketer oh <laughs> uh, but yeah thank you guys for listening and we'll see you then next time all right let's go drink some more wine cheers all right <laughs> bye stay creepy